Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. See, I even have to look at it myself to make sure it's right. Uh, Pursue unity by practicing humility. And unity is not something that is a result of happenstance. It's not uh, something that is by chance or by accident. Unity is not something that you just fall into, right? It's not like you trip and you're like, oh, I guess we're in unity right now. No, unity is something that requires cultivation, and cultivation is just a pastor's way of saying it takes a lot of work and effort, right? It just doesn't happen by accident. Now, obviously, there's moments of unity in the spirit, right? I believe we just experienced that. I believe that there are moments of unity with acquaintances. Have you ever met someone and you just love everything that they're about? Like we went to Knobles the other, the other week and a guy goes, go chiefs. And, and Aiden, Aiden looks over and there's this older guy uh, that had a chief sing. And then Aiden's over there talking to him for like 10 minutes. I'm like, I left the conversation already. The guy's like, I, I was a chief's fan with Lenny Dawson, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I guess I'm done with this conversation. Yep. So are you. So even in that moment, guess what? They were in unity. They were in agreement, even though they just met. So that's kind of not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about unity, or I'm talking about encouraging unity with people that we do life with. The kind of unity that is not easy, right? I'm talking about your family members. I'm talking about your local church. Well, that's pretty easy, right? Right. Uh, your, your coworkers, very, not hard. That's very hard, right? Katie's not listening to this. Okay. (laughs) I'm talking about people that we consistently have interaction with the ones that it's not easy to be in unity with. Now I will say this unity, unity requires humility because there will never be someone on the face of this planet that you agree 100% with. It's just not possible. I would say if you have a relationship where, where you agree 100% on everything, th- that, that relationship is kind of dishonest. <laughs> have you ever said, how's everything fine? And fine, you were not fine at all, right? So there, there's, we have to be honest, right? There's going to be relationships, well, all relationships, we never are 100% in agreement, right? So a humble heart is the ground that is cultivated where unity can grow and blossom. So here's the thing. Unity begins with you. It starts with you. And I was going to throw a dad joke in there, you know, unity begins with you. Literally, it begins with you, you know. So I, I still got to work on my dad jokes. I admit it. I'm only a young, young dad, so it takes years of seasoning to, to get that worked out. But I will also say, yes, unity begins with you, but unity is also a team effort. 
It requires partnership. But I would say the responsibility to, the responsibility to express it begins with you. Now listen, we can't wait around for someone else to be the example of things that are right, good, and just. I'm going to say that again. We can't wait around until someone else, we can't wait around on someone else to be the example of things that are right, good, and just. It's kind of like, well, I'll show respect when they show me respect. Well, that's not really kingdom. It's not. Because honor and respect flow from you. It's about who you are. So when you honor someone, it reveals more about your character than theirs. Okay? So the truth is we can honor. Now, is it nicer when people are honorable? It's easier to honor them? Yes. But honor is really an inside job. Okay? So if we're called to be light, we're going to have to shine in dark places, right? We're going to have to be the example uh, of the kingdom. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So this is Paul. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Sounds like good advice, right? Just as in fact you are doing. So why is he telling them when they're already doing it? Actually, you see this a lot in scripture where Paul's, Paul will say, yeah, I know I've already told you about this, but I'm just reminding you anyways. And he'll say, because this is a safeguard for you. Peter talks about that too. Yeah, I know that your faith is uh, founded, it's secure, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Sounds like a real parent, doesn't it? So he says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So when I'm talking about unity today, I'm not saying that you're not doing it. I'm saying because you're doing it, I'm saying it. Does that make sense? So I love how Paul is, in, is encouraging their behavior from Peter to Paul. They loved reminding the readers because it was a safeguard issue. So he was encouraging them. He was emboldening them to continue in their efforts. So this reveals to me two things. First, what they were doing was of great value. And the other thing is that what they were doing required cultivation, meaning you have to do it over and over and over and over again. So the cultivation of life-giving relationship is a continual process. It's not a once-and-done thing. How many of you realize it doesn't take long for weeds to come in your garden? <laughs> My kids would know that. And is, is Aiden or Layla, what do I always tell them when we go out to pick weeds? What is the one thing that I say over and over again because it's a safeguard for them? <laughs> what do I say? Get it by the root. Because if you just pull off the leaves, it's going to be, you'll be back here every week. So you got to get it at the root. So it's not just tending your garden. It's make sure, making sure that you go deep enough to deal with the issues. Okay. So what is the value of unity? Or another way to say it is why should I care? Why should I care about unity? Because I like what I like, right? I like being my own thing. Right? Why should I care about partnering with someone else? I mean, when you look at the world today, that doesn't seem really possible, does it? So why should I care about it? See, you see, you won't be intentional, 
intentional about doing something unless you place value on it. So what is the value? What value does the word of God place on unity? Unity. Psalms 133.1. Can we read it together? Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So I would say scripture places a high value on it. I love how this verse begins because it starts with behold. And behold basically means, hey, come take notice of this. Hey, come look at this. Would you take a pause and gaze upon it? Would you come and see this? What does it say? Behold, come look at this. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So that tells me it probably doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it's something to see. I believe that's one of the things that we have in this body. I believe that we have a real sense of unity and that I believe that is something that can be, that people can come and experience and see a taste of what God is doing. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And I will say this, not everything that is good is pleasant, right? And not everything that is pleasant is good. All right, I'm just going to use the example that we all can relate to, food. (laughs) Not everything that is good for you is pleasant, right? Unless you've been eating it for a long time and then you're like, I just love broccoli. It's so amazing. But right, sometimes the things that are good aren't pleasant. And then some things that are really pleasant are not good, (laughs) Right, But look at this, it says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is. So what is this saying? Unity among people who live together, that do life together, how good it is and how pleasant it is. It is both. It is not only good for you, but it is pleasant. It is sweet. Come on, think about that. It's kind of like, Eating your favorite vegetable and it tasting like your favorite dessert. (laughs) Because unity is both good, but it, it is also pleasant. It is sweet. The word pleasant there means delightful, sweet, lovely. And good means to be agreeable to the senses, excellent of its kind, valuable, appropriate, becoming, happy, prosperous, and right. So it's not only prosperous for you to be in unity, but it is delightful. Have you ever been in a place where there wasn't unity? It's not very delightful. It's not only right and valuable, but it's sweet and lovely. So the question that most people want to ask, it says, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So the next question is, who is my brethren? (laughs) Who's my brother? You know, sometimes we can get really funny and say, well, my brethren is everybody who agrees with me. (laughs) That is not your brethren, okay? Okay. 
Brethren means brother, relative, kinship. But it also means reciprocal relationship. Okay? So it's a relationship that is shared, felt, or shown by both sides. It is a mutual exchange. So isn't that what we talk about here? An exchange of healthy life. So this people in this body are your brethren. Okay? It also means figuratively, it means of resemblance. So your brethren, your brethren is, it's kind of like someone says, wow, you really look like your dad of resemblance. And, you know, some people like, you kind of sound like your mom. There's that resemblance, right? And so it, part of it is DNA, right? Part of it is who I am as a person, DNA, but it's also part cultivation, so in a broad sense, as Christians, we are being conformed into the same image, the image of Christ. So when it talks about brethren, it is talking about the body of Christ because we are being conformed into the same image. So who are we responsible to be in unity with? Okay, from a micro sense, I believe it's people that we do life with, but also in a macro sense, it's bigger than just who we interact with. Like what I was talking about, the body of Christ, or even uh, like mom talks about, validating all of humanity, right? I would suggest our brethren or those that we're responsible to be in unity with are those that we're connected to. And the deeper and more intimate a connection is, the greater level of unity is required. And the unity will be tested. Why can I say that unity will be tested? What did the scripture say? How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to be in what is to to dwell. Now, now I'm messing myself up. Okay. Can you pull it? Oh, but behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How do I know that unity will be tested? Because they dwell together. Okay? They live together. How many of you have friends that are just friends because they live far from you? You are happy when they come and you are happy when they go. That's okay. But this is what this is talking about, having unity with people that you actually live with. It's kind of like when you first get married or, and, and, and your, your wife is like um, eating a salad and you're like, oh, she has broccoli in her teeth. Let me pick that broccoli out. Now you're sitting there boiling over because she's got this piece of broccoli sticking in her teeth and it's driving me nuts. You live together, right? You do life together. And so when it says to be in unity with people that you dwell with, it's going to be tested. But it's because it's not always sunshine and rainbows, right? No one knows what I'm talking about, obviously. All right. So Amos 3.3, can you walk together unless they are agreed? Agreed means fixed upon or to have a target. 
Amos 3.3, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? What is the direction of this church? Is to have healthy individuals for a healthy community. The exchange of healthy life. This is why we come to experience God, yes, but also to grow and to mature. And as we grow and mature, we can exchange that life. The healthier that I am as an individual, the healthier this community will be. And that is the target that we have for this house. As we grow in Christ, as we grow and mature, guess what? We will start exchanging healthy life. And from that point, we will have a healthy community. Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless, or can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? I don't think you can. We have, on a very basic level, that is why This is the vision of this house, to grow and to mature and exchange that life with one another. So the smallest seed of agreement can produce a full harvest of unity. I'm going to say that again. The smallest seed of agreement can produce a full harvest of unity if it's planted in the soil of humility. I don't have these discussions as much with my children, not as much because probably when I say it, they probably just roll their eyes now. Uh, But I remember having these conversations with Maxwell. And one thing that we kind of all agreed on is we want to live in a happy house. Okay, that is our target. Are you guys following me? That is our target. That is our point of this is what we agree on. So when Maxwell is... He's not here, and it's part of being a pastor's kid, I guess. I've, I've experienced it. I can tell stories, right? <laughs> so Maxwell was having an um, uh, emotional hijacking moment, as mother would like to call it. So he wasn't doing well, and I pulled him aside. And I said, hey, that attitude, um, is that going to help us have a happy house? No. Do you want a happy house? Yes. What are you going to do about that? Now, was it instantaneous? No. But it said, hey, this is our target. This is what we're going for. Are we going to partner together and make that happen? You have a part to play. I have a part to play. Like I said, I don't have those discussions as much now, but there was a season in Maxwell's life that he just needed extra attention. (laughs) All right. So why is unity of the brethren so important? Let's look at that Psalms 133, 11. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So the first thing on a personal level, it's good and it's pleasant. When you walk in unity with the people around you, it's not only prosperous to your soul, but it feels good. It feels good. But on a kingdom level, the unity of the brethren is a testimony to the world. Are you guys hearing this? It says, behold, 
Come look at this. Come see this. Come experience this. Yeah, it doesn't look like anything else that you've experienced it because in the world it looks like chaos. But guess what? In here, come look and see. Come pause and gaze upon it. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Come take notice of it. Romans 5, 5 through 6. May God who gives this patience, I love this. May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony. When you look in scripture, you, there, a lot of times the word for unity can also be translated as harmony. So help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. I think a lot of the churches miss this scripture verse because so much of the church is in so much division and it's saying, hey, this is fitting for the followers of Christ. Then all of you can join together in, with one voice. I didn't even plan that with the service today. With one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Love is what? Let's just go over the first one. Love is patient. That's tough, right? That's the first thing. If we could just get past out, Wow. So may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony. And I might've talked about this before, but harmony, or if you take a chord, let's say the C chord, it's a combination of multiple notes, right? If you have a C chord, if, if I'm, I'm probably not gonna say it right, but it takes a C note and it takes an E note and it takes, I forget, maybe a G, I can't think of what it is offhand but it takes different notes. It takes different pitches to complete a chord. So when it talks about being in harmony, you're taking people that sound different than you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But a lot of times we think unity is we need to think the same. We need to talk the same. We need to, everything needs to fit into this box. But that is not harmony. And that is not unity. Because we're not going to always agree 100% of the time. But can we show, what is the goal of this house? We might disagree on some things. We might, um, maybe it's big things and maybe it's small things. Right? But what is the goal? To grow and mature in Christ and then exchange that life between one another. That is the goal. And so, yes, we might disagree. We might have different perspectives on things, but... Can we still walk together in unity towards that target? Yeah. And this is where it gets even better. This is Psalms 30, Psalms 133.3. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So what was the verse before it? It was how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Then it goes in verse three, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. Are you guys following this? So many times we are trying to convince God to do or bless something that we are doing. 
You know, you don't have to convince God to bless something that he's already blessed. Right? You don't have to convince God to bless something he's already blessed. What has he blessed? When brethren come together in unity, it is a place of blessing. Like I said before, it doesn't happen by chance. It, it wasn't like, oh, we just tripped into unity. No, it takes cultivation and it takes work. It takes understanding. It takes empathy. It takes grace. It takes compassion. It takes work. The cool thing about this where it says, that the dew of Mount Hermon was abundant. Even in dry weather, their tents were as wet as if it rained the whole night. The dew made it green and lush in a distinct contrast to the dry wilderness found in other parts of Israel. Whoa. What does unity look like? It could be going like hell around. But in this place... It's life. It's the exchange of life, a healthy life. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to work it, though. And living together is a foretaste of heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray, Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. So if it's in heaven, we can taste it here on earth. See, a lot of times... Preachers will just relate that to healing or they'll just relate that to deliverance or they'll just relate that to signs and wonders or maybe prosperity of the spirit, soul and body. But think about this. We can taste of heaven in the aspect of unity. We can taste of unity here on earth that is a reality in heaven. Not just signs and wonders and miracles, not just deliverance, not just uh, de- uh, deliverance and the prosperity of spirit. So we can actually taste the unity that's in heaven here on earth. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't happen by chance. Well, how do we get to unity? We have to practice Humility. If we're going to live in unity, it's not by accident. We just don't trip into it. It takes cultivation and intentionality. Ephesians 4.3. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. Whose responsibility is it to keep unity in this house? Each and every person in this place. It's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's not just your husband's responsibility. It's your responsibility. Make every effort. Don't just try it once. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. So the foundation of all Christian unity is in our connection to one spirit. But for that to be a reality experience, it needs to start with someone expressing it. 
Like people aren't going to experience signs and wonder and miracles if you never step out in faith. Right? Well, people aren't going to experience unity if you never step out and express it. Right? We can't wait for someone else to be the example of things we desire. All right. So if humility softens the soil of our heart, pride hardens it. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one, and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. That's countercultural. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. What was Christ's mindset? Lay down your life for someone else. So Paul outlines the attitudes and mindsets that are contrary to unity. I love how uh, this, this, passage in the, this passage in the Passion, it says, Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every, every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. So good, but not easy, <laughs> right? So what is a prideful opinion? Was well, obviously selfish ambition or self-importance, but I want to break it down a little bit more. A pride-filled opinion is the overwhelming desire to prove that you are right at the expense of relationship. Is your, is your opinion of something more important than the relationship with your brother or sister? You're like, I should have went on vacation this weekend. I don't know. A pride-filled opinion believes everybody should have the same opinion. And if they don't, they're either ignorant, uneducated, lacking revelation, and spiritual maturity. Some might even go as far to say it's demonic. <laughs> no one knows what I'm talking about. Obviously, you've never been to the internet, okay? <laughs> I don't think we experience that here, but I'm just saying in a macro sense. A pride-filled opinion will cause you to judge those around you harshly. A pride-filled opinion limits your perspective only to your position. You know, perspective is just where you're standing. Yeah. So you could be looking at my house in the front yard, be like, that's a nice house. You could be go, you know, we're, we're right at the mountain where there's like a place that you can look, kind of look. You could be at the top of the mountain. You're looking at the same thing. But it looks very different, doesn't it? That's, that's perspective. So a lot of times we're agreeing on things, but it feels like disagreement because we're saying, no, it looks like this. Don't you see this? And you're like, no, it's huge. It's big. It's this. And no, it's just small. It's this. 
right? No one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sometimes we feel if we empathize and have compassion or demonstrate some form of understanding, we diminish the truth that we carry. Okay, I'll, all right, fine, one more time. Sometimes, can you stick with me? Okay, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing with you, all right. Sometimes we feel, no, sometimes we feel if we empathize or have compassion or demonstrate some form of understanding to someone else's perspective, we diminish the truth that we carry. It's not true. But if we do those things, if we walk in understanding, if we walk in empathy and compassion, if we do those things, we can grow in wisdom how to offer the truth that we carry. Okay, I'm giving you guys something good here. If we learn to have compassion and patience and love for one another, guess what? The truth that you carry, you'll be able to present it in a wise way. Because the truth that you carry is so important. I'm not, we feel that, right? A pitfall that I see many believers fall into is that when they get a revelation from the Lord, their first response is to make sure that the world around them knows and has the same revelation rather than allowing the revelation to become a part of who they are and form and from that place transform the world around them. My thought is, it took you 27 years for the Holy Spirit to break this thought through your mind, and now you're expecting me to jump on board five minutes into this conversation? But if we allow that revelation to change who we are, then from that place, it has the power to transform the world around us. I've learned over my many years, it's get, I was thinking, man, uh, I'm getting up there. All right, not really. All the older people are like, you're just a young fellow, you know. And my kids are like, man, you're old. Like, what are you, like 100? All right. So I've learned in my many years that people around you have little interest in you being right. What do they desire? They desire respect and compassion, understanding and love. And listen, from that place of trust, influence, right? Influence, we can have a place of influence. I'm not saying that the truth that you carry isn't important or your conviction isn't valid, but if we want to have a true impact on the world around us, we have to do it from a place of humility, Respect, compassion, understanding, and love. And these mindsets, these pride-filled opinions, this selfish ambition, selfish, um, a selfish attitude, these mindsets are adversaries of the spirit of unity. Philippians 2.4. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So I want you guys to get this. Unity is the ability to see what is best for the whole, not just what meets your own need. How do we cultivate uni unity in this house? 
We have to look what is best for the whole, not just to meet, meet a specific need within me. If this church just had this thing, well, what is best for the whole? Not just to meet a need within you. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous. Regard others as more important than yourself. So Paul is confronting the mentality of disunity. And in the Amplified, it uses through factional motives. And a faction is a party or a group that often is argumentative or self-seeking. A faction is a party spirit, a party spirit, especially when marked by dissension. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, visit the internet. You will see plenty of factions. And I'm sure we all have our own, right? But if you're going to walk in unity, avoid factions. The very nature of a faction is dissension. And I don't think I've ever had a positive interaction where a conversation started with, hey, we were thinking. (laughs) We were thinking, meaning we were talking. And I find that nine times out of ten, even if it's a little thing or a big thing, it always ends with an offense. Beware of factions. Or, or Paul, through factional motives, making decisions or being motivated by your factional position. Your faction's position. Factions generally unify around a perceived issue or perceived problem. Let me ask you this. What unifies your relationships with others? Is it anger? Is it offense? Is it bitterness? Is it envy? Is it dissatisfaction? What unifies your relationships? Is it love? Is it compassion? Is it grace? Is it affection? Is it encouragement? Is it joy? Is it peace? What unifies your relationships? Come on. Behold how good and pleasant it is. Behold. Now you can see. Come look at this. Come gaze upon this. Would you just look at that? (laughs) Because it doesn't look like the rest of the world. It doesn't look like most churches. Come look and see. And guess what? In this place of unity, what does God say? This is where he commands the blessing. How many of you believe if God says something, it will come to pass? So we should just partner with what he's doing. And where he's commanded the blessing is in a place where brethren dwell together in unity. Dwell together. Come on. Well, that next point's a real heavy one. Maybe we'll just skip that one because I feel like we're already there. (laughs) 
Is there a person in your life that seems impossible? What names do you give them? What names do you give the people that seem impossible? Because you see, you will pull out of people what you see in them. Actually, I skipped one point. That wasn't, that's a heavy point too. I wasn't expecting that one. It took me off guard. You see, you will pull out of people what you see in them. If you can't see the gold, you'll never experience it. Are you prophetic people? Then you can see the gold in anyone. You can see God's love and affection for anyone. I didn't say it was easy. I do think it takes work and cultivation and faith, partnering with he says, right? Like you said, honey, I love you by faith. Is that what you're talking about? No. (laughs) Hey, you brought it up. So I was just, you know, yeah, okay. Think about this. What names do you give people that you can't deal with? Have you ever seen a relationship where two people get together and it brings the worst out of them? They fight like cats and dogs. Well, what do they see in one another? Because you will pull out of someone what you see in them. Now I kind of realize why I wasn't, I was like, God, do I have to preach this today? And obviously I'm preaching it, so you knew what he said. So (laughs) Ephesians 4.2, always be humble and gentle. So I did a great amount of study on this, many hours, to figure out how long was always, or how many times was always. And I came to the conclusion that it is what it is. (laughs) Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Man, come on. Making allowance for each other's faults. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Because of... Oh my. Let's read that one again. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. Yeah, there you go. Remember when I said honor is an inside job? Mm-hmm. Respect, respecting those around you is an inside job. Yes, it's easier when someone is respectful to show respect. But honor and love comes from who you are. Come on. First Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. If we're going to walk in unity, we have to recognize that people are different. They have different perspectives. They have different experiences. 
the reason I'm skipping some things, I just said them earlier, so I don't need to repeat them. 1 Peter 3.9, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with blessings. Oh, my word. <laughs> really? Do, do we read our Bible? <laughs> Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. No, no. <laughs> I'm joking, obviously, right? That is what God has called you to do. I thought God called me to be amazing. Yes, love others. <laughs> that is what God has called you to do. He will grant you his blessing. Where does God command his blessing? Where brethren dwell together in unity. Right here it is again, that this is what God has called you to do. He will grant you his blessing. When you repay a blessing for evil, what does God promise you? To grant you his blessing. Can we say, behold, how good and how pleasant it is. Come on. Can we just bow our heads? Maybe you guys are already there. <laughs> but I thought we could just pray this prayer of repentance. You know, repentance is a good thing. It's actually amazing. So let's pray this together. Father, forgive us. Where we have allowed pride-filled opinions to separate relationships, those that you called us to do life with. Set us free from all bondage of pride and arrogance. Send forth your grace to enable us to live in unity with those around us. Empower us to love as you love, to serve as you serve, to give as you have freely given. Unify us in your love. Amen. Let's just take a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit. I believe when we come into a place of repentance, God is always speaking. Because sometimes... When we're in error, it can be difficult to hear what God is saying. And so when we repent, it's like our ears are unlocked. So let's just take a moment and lean into what he's saying for us. Thank you, Father. Now, I want to end with this. If God's still speaking to you, just keep on listening. But can we just all read that scripture verse again together? Psalms 133. Can you put it up? Thank you. 
Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Just remember, this is where God commands his blessing. When we repay blessing for evil, he says he will bless us. He will bless us. And I would say that's a pretty good blessing. I would say it's an eternal blessing. Lord, we just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Thank you for resetting the way we view some of our relationships. Thank you for resetting maybe a cold heart towards people. God, open up our eyes, open up our heart to receive what you're doing. As we were praying in, in worship today, I felt like today was going to be a day of revival. I didn't necessarily know what it meant, but I really see from this message that it's going to spark some things in our life again, maybe that have seemed to go dim. So, Lord, we just thank you. We give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Could we have the healing teams, please? <laughs>